All right. Hey, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett once again, and I've got another holiday chat here lined up. And today we have, we have Jared from Fort Wayne, Indiana. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm delightful. Thank you for getting together with me. Yeah, no problem. So uh, just before I clicked record, you were telling me that, that you bought a business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the business that you bought and maybe what your experience and background was before you did that deal? And, um, and, and we'll see how things worked out for you. Yeah, so uh, I, I've been with the, the existing company for about 12 years. I worked as a, as a technician and, you know, kind of had always been on the table that the boss wanted, maybe wanted me to, as a, as a kind of a younger person being in the repair business is a little bit unusual. They sort of just wanted to know that if I'd be open to, you know, taking over the company someday. And um, it just kind of came on kind of fast. He, um, you know, was wanting to retire and, uh, and, and, and just sort of, they weren't able to sell it and then they had some kind of some crazy high valuations from their, you know, accountants and stuff for what they thought it was worth. And he had a partner and it was kind of got gotten kind of messy and dysfunctional. It really got down to the point where they, they were even considering just kind of closing up and letting everybody get other jobs. And, you know, I sort of came in and said, you know, I'd be willing to take it over if you can give me a good enough deal on it, you know? And, um, okay. So, so in the last two sentences, you've just laid down a whole bunch of really great tidbits. Um, because I, I see this all the time where people get the wrong kind of advice about what their business is worth and yeah. it leads them to having the business on the market for a long time. And because it won't sell at that price, things eventually end up in decline. And yeah. this is exactly what you experienced, isn't it? Exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, so you, you, you told me that you bought the business about two years ago. So you were in it for 10 years before the transaction happened. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what did you see as the changes over that 10 year period uh, before you did the deal? So uh, my background is actually television repair. And I hired into this business as a kind of an experienced uh, TV technician. And that's kind of a been a dying field for a long time it's really dying now you know there are still a few people kind of eking it out but um after the 2008 you know kind of decline i, I was uh had only been with the company a couple of years and they were very good to me kept me on and and you know we were down to maybe working two or three days a week almost part-time and uh i got to one of the transitions in our industry has been towards uh doing appliance repair because you know appliances are very high tech and electronics heavy and uh, a lot of people that have electronics repair backgrounds have kind of migrated into that industry. There's been a demand for that. So I got to be involved with starting the appliance repair business up within the larger business uh, when I was an employee. And now that's, you know, that's 99% of what we do is appliance service, uh, you know, in, into the 2015s and stuff. So it was pretty neat to um, that I had a chance to kind of be involved in, in, uh, basically kind of starting that up from nothing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, within the um, existing business. So that's basically my background is I, I, uh, I worked as a commission technician and was able to sort of, um, you know, kind of make an offer on the place. And So, so are you guys mostly repairing like appliances we would have in our homes or do you do a service for like businesses as well? It's mostly residential and we've got a couple of brands that we work for. So we have some kind of manufacturer connections. So, um, Oh, warranty calls and stuff. Yeah. Warranty calls. So we, we, I've got, um, uh, four 
including counting myself, we have four full-time technicians on the road that drive company vans and do house calls. We're basically a house call business. So uh, it's about, uh, I think we're probably going to do about uh, $600,000 uh, kind of grow, you know, total okay. in the door this year. So, so tell me then, tell me a little bit about the deal. You said that they were getting to the point where they were almost considering shutting it down. Had they started to realize it wasn't worth what they had been asking? I think so. I mean, um, I sort of had the chance to look at the, the, the majority owner provided me with some, um, you know, tax returns and kind of some financial information. And, and I sort of looked at it and I basically said, you know, if the management here goes away, this, this really is kind of a break even, you know, this really is kind of a break even business. If you just kind of turn the open sign and let, you know, if you, if you're not work, you know, just the, you know, everything you talk about all the time, you know, and they had gotten a valuation of, uh, I think $140,000 for a purchase price from, uh, from their accountant. And, um, one of the, uh, existing owners, you know, that bought in, in the nineties when it, when it was a, a million and a half dollar a year business and, and was a very different kind of industry, you know, was, was basically appalled by, uh, you don't want to sell it to me at a low, at a, a low price point. So, so basically if, if there was a manager sitting in the office all day, that person would draw a paycheck and there wouldn't really be much left oh, for other yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm guessing you run it in a very different kind of way. Uh, I don't know that I, I don't think that I've, uh, I've been kind of surprised by how much inertia there's been and how much of a, how much, uh, uh, you know, once something is kind of established and moving, that it just it keeps being established and moving, and it's hard to change. You know, kind of the way things are done and the way things have always been done. Uh, so I, I don't know that I really run it that much differently. I mean, uh, obviously, we try to bring some um, some 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 technology into play, and um, we spend some money on trying to kind of streamline the processes and things like that. So are you using some kind of like, like apps to manage the service calls and things like this? Yeah, we, uh, we use a, I mean, I use the existing business had a big kind of management software package. Um, we use that, but I had the ability to go to the technicians can have an app on their phone. Mm -hmm. I brought in, you know, they can, they can process credit cards right at the customer's house and send the customer receipts. So that we cut down on having to drive across town to get, pick up paper, you know, a paperwork order for a customer where a, a technician can just, you know, they, they have take home company vehicles. They can just head out in the morning, go, go do what they need to do. If an emergency call comes in, the dispatcher can just, just go right out here. You know, I'll send you the information and um, it can all be done on their, uh, you know, mobile device. And you're not, and you're not having any kind of collection process or system if the technicians can collect payment from the people yeah, we're, right we're, on the spot. Yeah, we are completely, um, you know, if we provide the service now, you pay now. There's no, and if you, uh, you know, whatever reason refuse to do that, you know, we won't be back. And so we have very little, uh, very little problems with that. Well, uh, congratulations, first of all, um, for, for doing the deal. And were, you know, were there any roadblocks to getting it done in the end? Like as far as, you know, they obviously agreed to a price that made more sense for you. Did you go and borrow money to make the purchase or did you work out some kind of deal with them? Well, <laughs> what I actually did, I had, I had bought a, uh, I had bought a, what was going to be a rental property 
Yeah, it was kind of a, uh, they call it a, you know, like a zombie property, you know, it's a, it's been abandoned for like five years. And I was, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen with my job situation with, you know, they were trying to find buyers for the company. And I was obviously interested in doing that, but I, I, I was able to buy this property. It's just kind of a, I paid like $12,000 cash for it. Mm-hmm. And I had it for a couple of years and I, I just, you know, I wasn't able to get, really make progress on getting it. Actually, I got, uh, it was a two unit, um, you know, kind of apartments in a house in mm-hmm. kind of a bad neighborhood. And I was able to get one of the units renovated and I, I think I sold it for $21,000 cash to another real estate investor. Mm-hmm. And I was basically able to finance a lot of that with that and with um, savings and stuff that my wife had. So I was able to completely cash, uh, cash do the buying the business. Um, from, from like this building you had bought and from, from yeah, I, I sold this property off and just from other savings that we had. Yeah. I was actually able to cash flow doing the whole deal. Wow. That's awesome. So, you know, when, uh, whenever I'm talking about saying things like people need to be on top of their budget and actually accumulate some savings and stuff, th- this is the camp that you're from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, we had, like I said, this had always been kind of on the table, at least been discussed, but um, you know, we had got, we had, we were trying to have our first, our first son for maybe three years unsuccessfully, you know, and it was kind of looking like maybe that wasn't going to work out. So I, I was sort of, um, took my free time and energy and bought this property. And then, you know, our first son was born and, uh, you know, I'm busy with work and, and it just, it just kind of languished over there, you know? And so I was very pleased to be able to get it sold and get, um, you know, I, I, my, I probably broke even on the whole project, you know, by the time I factor in what I paid in, you know, wasted utilities and my own work and stuff. But, um, Oh yeah. Once you, once you, that was my experience with rental properties too, is once I've calculated my own labor, yeah, all, exactly. of sudden, all of a sudden it became very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what is the, what's, what does the future hold? What are your plans then for the business? Well, I've hired, uh, I, I just did my second hire. I really got lucky on my first hire because I really had no idea what I was doing and uh, got a great new technician in that I've been able to train and work with and he's doing great. I had breakfast with him this morning and um, I have a, one of the existing people that's kind of a, uh, was one of the former owners of the business um, that came on to work for me uh, is, is going to retire here coming up. So uh, I've really been just kind of trying to navigate, you know, changes and, you know, just kind of uh, just kind of keep the thing together. But, um, we want to do some things we want to do, uh, you know, kind of an online scheduling. I'd like to be able to get a a website portal set up where you could, you know, Sunday night at 11 o'clock, if you wanted to book an appointment for Monday, you could Mm. be able to do that, you know, on an internet based thing. And, um, I'm in a, I'm in a Facebook group with other appliance service business owners. And basically anybody that's doing that now has kind of had to homebrew that. Uh, there's really an off the shelf, too much of an off the shelf kind of solution for that. So that's one of the things we want to put together in the next. Have you ever, have you ever gone and explored the tools available to the aesthetics and beauty industry? No, not at all. Those guys have that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Where that you can have different kinds of appointments, you know, so for example, uh, you know, if someone wants to get their hair colored versus just a haircut, like it'll allocate different blocks of time. Oh, depending on what service you select. Yeah. And and so, so that stuff is out there. Maybe just nobody has tried to adapt it for your business specifically. Sure. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting. You're in this Facebook group 
Is this something you found on your own? Because this would be an example of uh, like a mastermind group, right? Where you guys all have similar interests and challenges and you're kind of sharing solutions and helping each other. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not sure how I ended up onto it. It's, it's a couple hundred people in there. And, uh, it's been a great resource. Um, I, I don't really probably participate in it as much as I should, but, uh, it's been a great resource to, uh, uh, just kind of have that, that, you know, there. And, what have you, um, joined any groups or done anything right there in Fort Wayne to kind of increase your circle of friends who are also business owners? Not really. I had a, I had a couple of people that were kind of mentoring me when I was really in the process of, of buying the business. Uh, I had a friend that I met on a service call that was a, like a retired attorney. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he would, he would meet with me with coffee maybe once every couple months or something like that. And I, you know, I, I brought in some of the contract documents. I brought in, um, you know, the tax returns and, and just to have uh, him be kind of a resource was, was amazing and uh, very appreciative of that. But no, I really haven't, uh, I really haven't gotten into any local, uh, any local um, okay. know, kind of business owners groups or anything like that as much as I probably should. What, um, Jared, what are the things that have surprised you the most since you became the owner that, that, that was different than what you were expecting from your experience as an employee? Well, I, you know, I, I really have, it's really made that experience real of, you know, you, you think that, uh, oh, I can do someone else's jobs, you know, so much better than, than that guy could, you know, I won't be, uh, I won't be in there in the office at, uh, at you know, 5 a.m. on Saturday morning working on catching up my bookkeeping, you know, I'll be, I'll be better organized than that. And, and you know, <laughs> I was always shocked when I just, I just find myself in just the exact situation that, you know, I used to criticize other people for, that, uh, you know, doing those same things. And, um, that, so that's been a big one. You know, I, I would not ever, uh, I would not ever try to tell anyone how to do their job until you've sat on that side of the desk, you know, and, um, the, the experience has made that really come to life. Well, um, so having done this in the, in, in, so, you know, when I think of appliances, I know I, I recently had a guy come by to, to do, to try and fix my dryer because mm-hmm. the, the little turning mechanism where you turn to set the setting, like what kind of dry Mm -hmm. um, setting you wanted to run it on Uh, something broke in there. And, and he came over and he's been doing it for a really long time. And uh, he, he basically said, he said, look, if I order this little knob for you as a plastic knob, right? He said, it's going to be like a hundred bucks. And he said, I think I can fix it with my soldering iron. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, and he did, it kind of fixed it. I mean, sometimes I have to turn it two or three times to get it to the right setting. Um, and and, and when, whenever I'm in one of those situations, I always just think of, you know, the all the experiences and stuff the guy has had in order to yeah. be able to fiddle around and kind of figure out how to make it work, yeah. even, though, even though it's broken. And to your point about the electronics, I mean, some, some of these new appliances are even becoming uh, hooked to the internet, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it really is almost the same as TV and computers. eh? Yeah. And we, we kind of specialize in high tech ones. So, so the companies that we work for do all the, you know, that the mobile apps and things like that, that connect to their appliances. So we're, we're way in that world. Um, did you find them to be pretty reasonable? And it sounds like you had a pretty positive experience. 
Well, it, it, it's the guy who uh, used to fix all my appliances when I was an apartment building owner. So, so I knew he was good. And I also knew that uh, there's certain ways to, to pay him to get a better deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we deal with, we deal with all kinds of stuff where, you know, a technician may not want to attempt something like that because if it doesn't work properly, he's going to be called back out for free to deal with it. And the customer may expect a discount on the, the real repair, you know, so he was very upfront with you and told you that, you know, I can try this, but you know, it may, it may not work. Yeah. He, you know, he, and, he said, I can try to fix this. And I, I, you know, what he basically told me is if he said, if it doesn't work, I'll order the part for you and you can just come pick it up and put it on because mm -hmm. it's, it's the knob on the top of the machine. Like it just pulls off. Right. Sure. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's working for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a, a technician that works for me that maybe say is on commission probably would not ever present you with that option mm -hmm. because he's not really able to charge you much of anything for it. You know, if he presents the whole repair as, you know, it needs a new control panel, it's going to be $327 and 10 cents. If you approve that, you know, he's got a guaranteed repair. He can just come bring the part and knock it out. If you don't, he's guaranteed that it's out of his hair and done, you know, so we, we, really try to coach the guys on, um, you know, communication skills and customer soft skills are almost more important in our industry than is the guy mechanically, <laughs> you know, is the guy mechanically a, a genius appliance technician, you know, and able to fix every little thing that comes along and has all this great experience, you know, somebody that can, can actually communicate that well to the customer say, you know, look, I can try this, but if you, you understand that, you know, if it doesn't work, there's going to be some additional, uh, a lot of times those kind of communication and soft personal skills are hard to find in somebody that's yeah. going to crawl, crawl around on the floor and work on a dryer in your basement, you know, or whatever. So that, that can sometimes be a challenging mix to find somebody that's a really good personality fit for that, for that job and somebody that's trustworthy that you're going to send out with a, in a company van to a, a nice house in a nice neighborhood. You know? So, so this is kind of interesting because it, it sort of brings up, you know, how your business is changing. Because really what you are doing is you are creating a business opportunity for someone with technical skills. Yes. To exactly. go out and make sales and, and earn a commission and you're providing all the infrastructure and, mm -hmm. and but are they still W2 employees? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're complete employees. Yeah. But they, but they do kind of run their own business in that if they don't earn any commissions, they don't end up with any on the paycheck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very different maybe from, you know, some point in the past where these guys would have been getting a wage, mm -hmm. right? Is when you were working under the previous owner, um, were they doing that kind of commission-based work then? Or did you see a transition into that over your career? Well, that, that the, the commission-based is really very standard and widespread in our industry. So I have never worked under any, I've never worked under anything other than that. So I, I spent some time working as an auto technician and mm -hmm. same thing there. So it's really, I mean, I really just took over the kind of the, what the established company had, what their agreements were, even the same payroll provider. And I basically just said, I want to make this as little disruption as possible. And I just called every company and I said, you know, I'm the, I want to transition this over. So I did an asset purchase. I didn't actually mm -hmm. buy the, uh, uh, you know, the existing corporation structure. And a part of that was from, I, I ran into a kind of a friend, an acquaintance uh, over in another city that I, I 
just kind of inadvertently found out that he's kind of a serial small business investor and owns a lot, owns a, a restaurant and a, a bookstore and all these different businesses kind of in his local town. And once I found that out, I was all over him when I was, you know, doing the business purchase and he really recommended to, to uh, you know, start, set up a new corporate structure and just buy yeah. the existing assets and, and really, don't, you know, it's really not worth it to try to transfer over the existing Yeah, there there are very few situations in a really small business where it makes sense to do that. It usually has to do with, you know, if a business has government contracts or something of that nature that that's hard to switch over. Sure. Um, But now that you've gone through the process, let me ask you this: Um, if if you had the benefit of hindsight, would you have done something different in the purchase or the transaction or the transition? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I would have. uh... I would have done all kinds of things differently. What kind of things? What I see is the biggest mistake is I, I had set up an LLC for this rental property that I had and I just named it a generic name. Um, just like a property management related thing. I was just going to put the house in it and just have it sit in that. That's kind of an asset protection deal, you know? Yeah. And my attorney friend said, Oh, don't spend the $90 to register a new business name. You know, just use the the name that you've already got. You've already, you're already filed for it. It's already established. Just use that. You can change the name later with a DBA. And I didn't understand or realize that the, that the DBA filing with the state of uh, with the state doesn't, um, it doesn't actually change the legal name. It's just, it just adds a DBA. So all my contracts are massively long with the, what the, the legal name <laughs> is, with the DBA, the name of the business. And, uh, you know, it doesn't fit on any, it doesn't fit on anything. It's, it's terrible. So, uh, I, I would gladly have my $90 back to just really think out and be very careful with the, what you name things because you're stuck with them, you know? Um, yeah, you must be able to file a name change though. Uh, I, I think, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I can, it, it I probably, probably, it probably costs $110. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> well, you guys can do that more. I, I I, that's I just, see, that's I just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so the name you would have done different, how about in dealing with the sellers or with the, uh, the people that ended up coming over with you as employees? Well, I, I, I had these, I had these two great experiences of, I, when I just was first starting out as a teenager, I worked in my grandfather's, you know, kind of home, small business TV repair shop. And uh, I, I was working with my cousin and my, my dad was the accountant, you know, and I was just kind of a, just kind of general teenage help. And they really had a bad deal go where they, grandpa went to Florida for the winter and my cousin was running the shop and, uh, you know, he had some problems and they weren't able to, you know, make the bills and keep the lights on. And I, I really got to see that, that kind of uh, business arrangement really fall apart. And I also had to deal with a, another uh, a partner of mine where we, we tried to buy a, an auto repair shop and, and that really went badly. And I, I really had set in my mind that I didn't want to have a partners. I really wanted it to be, I'm the boss. I clearly, you know, uh, even in this business that I've, that I've now am running, you know, the, the previous owner had minor partners and there was a lot of dysfunction and, and with that. And I, I really had, I really had set in my mind that I wanted to be the sole owner. I wasn't going to go into being a partnership with, the other guys in a transitional phase, I really wanted it to be very clearly laid out that I own the place and what I say goes. And I think that's probably been a good, that's probably been for the best. Cause like I said, one of the, one of the former owners did come back to work for me as a commission technician. And, and that relationship has been very positive. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, like I said, some of the, 
you know, people that I used to work for are now working for me. And I was a little bit uncertain how that was going to really, you know, go over. Um, I'm 33 years old, you know, and sometimes if you're dealing with someone that's uh, older, more experienced than you, you know, it, it, to just change roles overnight, I, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen, you know, and I, I've been, it's been very positive and it, um, it, it all comes down to the, the maturity of the older person, mm-hmm. because if, you know, a less mature person, you know, they feel, well, I'm the boss. I've always been the boss. Mm-hmm. I still want to be the boss or, or at least they act like it. Whereas, you know, the more mature person realizes, Hey, I don't have any more responsibilities. I just have to do what I'm told. And, and almost probably relish the fact that they're not the owner anymore. Exactly. Yeah. That, you know, the, the, they get to do the work and go home and forget about it, mm-hmm. which for a lot of these people could be a very pleasant change. Oh yeah. We're the owner. Did, did uh, you ever learn how the previous owner ended up with minor partners? Uh, well, the story that I was told, I mean, was basically that he felt like he had a, a lot of responsibility, a lot of weight wound up on him and he wanted to kind of bring people in some of his more experienced staff. He kind of wanted to bring them in to help with the responsibility of just kind of operating the place and, I, I don't know the exact arrangements of what, you know, how the deal was done, where they came in, but it was pretty dysfunctional by the time I came along, you know, with the mm. kind of the classic arguments of, you know, it almost doesn't matter what your arrangement is with your partner. Someone always is perceived as doing less work or being a, you know, or someone's the, someone's still the main, the main boss and, and um, they, they had all that, you know. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, and uh, I've, I've experienced it myself when I was younger. I was involved in a couple of partnerships as well. But um, when I was a business broker, I'd met several partners who wanted to sell or get rid of one or the other partner, um, you know, kind of open to all solutions to stop being partners. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it came down again to, to not having clearly defined roles. And so everyone kind of feeling that they could get involved in everything. Mm-hmm. And you either end up with management by committee, which is very slow and cumbersome and doesn't give you any kind of efficiencies, you know, as far as moving quickly, um, or it leads to, you know, resentment, anger, arguments, all that stuff you just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's next for you? Are you happy in this business the way it is, or do you want to grow or you want to get into some other businesses? What do you think? I think I am happy with it. I, I was kind of of the opinion when I was making the decision to decide the business there to buy the business. I, I pretty much decided that if I did lose my job and it did close down, that I would just start my own business to kind of fill the void in the, in our local market here. If um, we had had another major, uh, uh, another major appliance repair provider that was a, a husband and wife business and they had like a brother that was a uh, an employee there. So a three person business, they had just completely shut the doors and just kind of auctioned off every, they didn't even try to set, try to sell what they had. I mean, they just kind of just shut it down. And uh, so that was the pre the 2017, that was the previous year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was seeing, you know, even if I wasn't able to buy the the going business, I, I, I would want to be doing this cause I love it. And, and so I, I think uh, in the city, our size, you know, a, a five to seven employee business is probably a good fit because you, we can take vacations. There's no, 
I have enough staff that I really try to make sure that there's no one person that can only do one job, you know, that everybody's cross trained. And if someone wants to go on vacation or take some time off or, uh, you know, take time away to start a family that, you know, the, the place isn't going to be really crunched if, if we lose somebody. So I, I like the size of the business and, um, I'm planning on, on staying with it. I, 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 uh, I feel like it's a good fit, fit for my personality and the skills that I have. So, and so it, it, so, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's delivering what you're looking for. I mean, as far as your income and the flexibility in your time with lifestyle and everything, Exactly. it's, yeah, it, it's like more than half of the people that I work with who want to buy a business. It, those are the things that they're after. They're, they want to be, have a greater degree of control over their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think if I was strictly looking to, if I was looking at the hours that I work and the effort that I put in with what my take home money is, you know, I would probably be pretty disappointed as opposed to just going and, uh, you know, just working for, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot or something, you know, whatever. I don't know if I shouldn't say brand names, but uh, you know, just going to work for somebody else, probably the money could be a lot higher, but, uh, I, to me, I, I think the, uh, you know, the benefits, like you say, are the flexibility and, um, and it's fun. Yeah. So, you know, the TV repair is kind of going out. Is this just because they're becoming so inexpensive? People yeah, just buy new ones. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. we still do repairs that are very high end. If you have a very expensive product, several thousand dollars, I mean, you wouldn't hesitate to spend, you know, a hundred dollars to have a, an expert come over and look at it. But, so much of the product is just, you can just replace it for almost, you know, so cheap. It, it's just, uh, it's just kind of going away. It'll be a, it'll be like a toaster in 10 years, you know, it just won't be something that you. Well, you know, I remember back, back in my yellow pages days. So this is like, uh, 15 years ago. I remember going into TV repair places and you remember those rear projection, big screen TVs. Yeah, yeah. I remember being in a room with like 30 of them you know, and they were all waiting to be serviced or waiting for a part or what have you. And and you could tell it was a big operation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fix those big TVs. Mm-hmm. And now they're all in the landfill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that was my background. I mean, that was my start. I was doing that. I was doing that kind of work in the two thousands. And uh, that was very, that was very, uh, very sought after, you know, sought after work to have done. Wow. So, what what else you want to talk about, Jared? Oh, I don't know. I like I said before our uh, our call started. I I didn't really get a chance to prepare. I've been kind of running around this morning. I didn't get really a chance to prepare too much of a thing, uh, too much of an agenda. But um, you know, I guess I um, I had to get a I had to get a really quick. I had I, you know my dad was an accountant, and I always kind of did my own you know W two taxes. But it's a whole different world with the. Uh, you know, I do, I do my own bookkeeping. And so I do the QuickBooks and um, I did hire a, a CPA early on in the process to help me um, transition into running the business. And um, although that is expensive, I think that's very much been worth it. And um, I was like, I was thinking about that this morning because I, I, uh, I just, I just did a, uh, right before we got on the call here, I did a service call for a guy that's uh, going to start a restaurant business. And uh I, I recommended your uh, your YouTube channel and podcast to him as I was telling him I was getting ready to go on the call here. So, oh, that's awesome! Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was thinking about that because we we were talking about the credit card processor that I use, and he he's been kind of trying to figure out what to do. And uh, so anyway, I was telling I, I'm very happy with the 
uh, the company that we use for that. And I was showing it to them. And um, anyway, we were talking about how the, uh, you know, uh, the, the getting the accounting professional involved really helped me out to kind of feel confident that I was doing the right things, doing the right processes and that my, you know, taxes were being prepared properly. And, um, well, you know, I can, I can tell when I see a set of financial statements, if an accounting professional has helped in the beginning or not. Because if you open up a package like QuickBooks, sometimes it will ask you what kind of business and they have some different sort of templates for a chart of accounts. And for people that don't know, a chart of account is simply deciding what list of expenses or balance sheet items you're going to have in your starting blank kind of set of financial statements. And so um, I've had, so for example, in your business, you probably, number one, you have a revenue line and then you have a cost of goods sold section. You probably have your technicians commissions in there and you probably have all the parts that go through the business in there. Right. So at the, you can see a gross profit, which is how much money was earned by the guys in the field. And then below that, you have your overhead expenses. So maybe you rent your office and you have an internet bill for the office and that kind of stuff. And so I've seen many, many, many small businesses where they'll have just a line that says revenue, no cost of goods sold. Everything is lumped into expenses. And down at the bottom, there's a profit and it's accurate for tax purposes. They'll pay the correct amount of income tax or what have you. So they won't get in trouble with the tax authorities but they can't use the financial statements to make management decisions. It's not giving them the information they need to, to figure out, for example, you know, if your gross profit was shrinking, you would say, well, wait, what's going on? Maybe we need to adjust our markup or adjust our service rates or what have you. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you would know where the problem was either expenses were growing or margins were being squeezed or, or what have you. Mm -hmm. And, so a lot of these small businesses where the individual doesn't have an accounting background, they don't know what, what they want and they don't know how to use the statements. And if they're not set up properly, they, they never will use the statements until they're fixed. And fixing that stuff after you're already going is, is a much bigger uh, bookkeeping burden like to go back and move things and reallocate things versus just having set up correctly in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I try to, and my uh, CPA has really encouraged me to really try to break out because a, a big part of our overhead is is keeping uh, vans on the road, you know, and so repairs and maintenance and tires, and we put a lot of miles on it, you know, the company mm -hmm. buys gas. And um, so we, you know, I mean, this year we spent, you know, $25,000 on just gas, oil, and tire, you know, just, just vehicle expenses. So I've broken out, he encouraged me to break out. If you know that it's for this vehicle, keep a, keep track of, you know, which vehicle you're spending the most on repairs on, you know, and you, you have to, if you're going to use QuickBooks to enter all this information anyway, you might as well put it to work for you and categorize what it's for. So you can go back and, and, and use it, use the information that you're, that you're collecting. Well, and, and, and I mean, the other thing too, is that, you know, if, uh, if, for example, if electric service vehicles become available that seem like they're a reasonable price, you will have the data <clears throat> to actually be able to say, you know what, if it's $12,000 more than the gas-powered vehicle, I know what the cost of ownership will be of the gas-powered vehicle. And so even though it's a bigger ticket price, it's going to make sense for me to do this. Mm -hmm. right? You're, you're going <clears> to, 
<clears throat> be able to make decisions based on actual information versus relying on a salesperson telling you that the average cost of ownership is less or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that I've, I've been working on maybe the last six months is I, I really struggled at first to, you know, obviously in the first three to six months, you know, I, wh- one of the things that we did when we transitioned over into the business is, you know, the existing company was set up and still operating and I had the new company set up and, and I was able to work with the previous owner and we just kind of, transition things over as it came. So, you know, I, I was not able to actually purchase the contracts with manufacturers and with warranty providers that the previous company company had, those contracts are also set up that, you know, if there's any change of ownership, if anything moves around, you know, the contracts are void. And I did have a nice soft transition with, I got to meet, you know, I, the previous owner introduced me as the new owner. I got to meet a lot of the people involved and I ended up I was able to, to, you know, sign new contracts with all the uh, existing companies that we had. But, uh, you know, we said that, you know, April 1st is going to be the higher date for everyone with the new company. And I moved the payroll over and then I moved this utility over and I was able to just kind of do a real smooth transition. And um, one of the hiccups I had was we had a manufacturer that they didn't want to terminate the contract with the old company. Mm -hmm. And for about six months, uh, the guy would say, you know, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll do it. And, and I ended up having to actually give him an ultimatum and say, you know, look, we're, we're going to, uh, we're, we're actually, you know, the previous owner has to shut his bank account off. Um, and this, I'm sure this would have been a huge headache for me if we hadn't been on a, a real positive, you know, relationship and, and had a lot of trust established and stuff, because what was, what was happening for the six months is they would pay the existing business for work that my employees in the new business had performed. Right. And he would, cut me over a check to reimburse me for my labor. But it, you know, it was still on, in a, a legally set up with the old business. And um, you know, it, like I said, it took, it took maybe six or nine months to get it all transitioned over. And so I really had a, a long time of operating the business where I just, I just was kind of holding on. I didn't, I didn't really have a good clear picture of what my overhead was, what my expenses were. So I, what I, what I've done now is I've gone back and I look at a you know, a six month period and, I've got set up, uh, I've got set up a system. I I do a a kind of a forced savings regimen where I, I, I basically figure out, you know, um, kind of as a general rule in service businesses, I mean, we're basically a labor business, you know, we, we, we do charge some markup on the parts, but really the parts are kind of a necessary evil. You, there's always loss, there's always damage. Um, you're really doing the best you can to kind of break even on the parts and, and the labor that you charge is really where the, all of, all of the, you know, profit and, and mm-hmm. uh, revenue and stuff for the business co- really comes from is the labor. So what I'm doing is I, when I, I generate reports from my software every two weeks in order to pay my technicians their commission. And I've, I've realized that these reports that I get every two weeks are a great indicator of the uh, kind of success of the bi- the health of the business, you know, cause I get, we've, we've built out, you know, $14,000 in labor. I know that that's a good two weeks. You know, if it's, if it's $9,000 in labor, you know, and I've got to pay a payroll that's $7,000 for everybody being there. You know, I know that that's by the time I pay my overhead, I've lost money. If, if we only build $9,000 in labor, I, I, I know that that's really bad and, and we need to make changes to it. And I'm doing this forced kind of savings regimen every two weeks. You know, I, I, I've got an estimate of what my overhead is. I know what payroll is. Uh, because my, my office staff that, 
does scheduling and does phone calls and things like that. Um, they don't produce any, I mean, they do produce money for the business and the technicians are out working, but they, I, I really consider them as kind of intermingled in with the overhead. You know, if I choose to hire someone um, that does cut down on the profitability of the, the business to have to pay. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, the, t- the technicians commissions would be part of the cost of goods sold and office staff is usually down in the expenses because you're exactly right. It's, it's part of the overhead. It's part of the, the, the um, organization of the business. Exactly. They, they don't bring in sales, but they, they are required to make everything go. Yeah. So I found it kind of difficult to untangle, you know, I'm paying myself some on payroll. I'm paying the office staff. I'm paying myself some, uh, you know, dividends through the, uh, through the, the way the LLC is set up for tax purposes. So I, I really had a difficult time really getting a, st- you know, I, I would look at, okay, uh, the bank account went down $11,000 this, this month, but we had a really good month. We did a lot of work and I was really struggling to find how do I really know if I should be paying myself, uh, you know, some extra money or if I should be keeping it in the company. And I've really found that, that doing it based off of this payroll report that I get is a great way to do it uh, because I can see every two weeks how we did, if I need to give people feedback and I have to generate those reports anyway. Right. And I, I've kind of turned that into a, I, I set back basically if I calculate that in this two week period that my, my estimated profit was $4,000, you know, I put, you know, I put uh, $400 in an account for future vehicle replacement and I put $400 in account that's set back for me for corporate profit, you know, that I'll maybe take out every quarter or every six months or something like that. It, was this inspired by that book called Profit First? Yes. I, uh, I, I'm not really doing that system mm-hmm. full, full tilt, but uh, I did hear about that through a, uh, a kind of an industry, uh, you know, business coach that I listened to, you know, podcasts and stuff from. And I, I sort of taken some parts of that said, I, I've got a literal bank account set up that I put money in for buying. And I've done it. I've bought, you know, I've been able to buy uh, vehicles paid for out of that savings mm. account. And um, I've been happy with how that, how that's worked for me. That, that book, Profit First, is written by Mike Michalowicz. And I read it and I really liked it. What, what, how quickly are your, are your bank statements reconciled with your QuickBooks? I typically have that completed within a few days. I mean, I typically have it all reconciled in my um, taxes paid in the first week of each month. Okay. Um, the balance sheet in QuickBooks, uh-huh. that is the tool that, that tells you, first of all, if you have money in the bank, is it really yours or not? Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the, the things that are not on there, not on the balance sheet are things like the accrued, um, you know, payment to employees mm-hmm. every two weeks. So, and then aside from that would be like income taxes. So, I mean, this, this is exactly what you have come across. You've discovered this is that payroll report, how much money has to go out for payroll. That's going to determine how much is left. Mm-hmm. And have, have, you been able to improve things over time? Like once you started to figure this out, um, did it it get much easier? Well, I I don't know that I'm far enough along with it yet. I I feel like I just kind of got maybe six months ago, I just kind of got to where I 
kind of had enough familiarity with the business where I could really even know what was going on. You know, really in the first year, I was really just trying to do everything I could to, you know, keep, <laughs> keep working and keep everyone going, you know, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like now I've sort of got to the point now where I could say, you know, uh, maybe we need to cut, uh, cut the cell phone bill down or, you know, and try to work on things like that. Um, so I, I guess I, I guess I haven't really, it really hasn't been my focus to try to increase the profit in the business. You know, like I said, I've hired two new people. I bought two vehicles this year. Um, it, it, it's been successful and it's been profitable. It's certainly profitable enough that I can, uh, you know, support myself with it. And uh, I feel like I'm happy with how things go are going. So, uh, um, before I forget though, just to get back to your comment about how one of the manufacturers kept making checks out to the prior owner, to his business. Yes. Um, you know, legally speaking, you'd want to have a new contract in your company's name, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But you're not going to go and tell, uh, an appliance manufacturer what to do on your time schedule. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we, we were completely upfront with them. We said, this is what we're doing. We want to make it as easy as we can, you know? Yeah. And the, I mean, um, the other companies that we work for, I mean, as soon as they got a whiff that the, the business had changed hands, I mean, we were, we were turned off immediately. You know, it, it was no, um, yeah, obviously they don't want any, uh, you know, the, the existing business has a big credit line. They don't want to get end up being stuck with a bunch of money, you know? So as soon as they, um, soon as they found out, you know, they were very quick to try to wrap everything up. And, and, and that's basically how that process went. They wanted the existing company to make good on their debts, kind of wind everything down. And then they would consider mm-hmm. signing a contract with the new business. So, so some of the things that you could have done is some of the things I've seen in the field and, um, you know, CPAs, attorneys, et cetera, may not like this, but, um, checks that were made out to the old company, the old owner could have endorsed them. Mm-hmm. and just handed them over to you mm-hmm. and you could have recorded them as though they were payments directly to you mm-hmm. just to simplify your books. We did some of that. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen people do is you know how you can't register two businesses in a state with the same name, mm-hmm. right? Well, actually you can with the first registrant's permission. Mm-hmm. So um, I've seen some instances where people will start a new entity to do an asset sale and the, the entity selling will allow the new entity to register the, the selling entity's name as a DBA. Oh, okay. And so then they take that to the bank and then, you know, the bank doesn't look really close. If it's, if it's John's appliance repair versus John's appliance repair, Inc. Mm-hmm. The bank just lets all those checks go through. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what ends up happening though, is that the manufacturer now is dealing business is doing business without an actual contract in force mm-hmm. because the, the legal entity that is the counterparty to the contract isn't there. So it, it, they should want to get these things tidied up and, and have new contracts in place. But you know, your timeline for doing a deal is not necessarily the most important thing for a multi-billion dollar fridge manufacturer or whatever. Yeah. 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 That was, that was exactly my experience. And, uh, I mean, it, it got resolved pretty quickly really once we, uh, once we basically just refused to do anything further and, um, you know, we were able to get, uh, get signed a, a deal with the new company. So. Do you think any of those manufacturers really thought of shopping around to other people in the market? 
Oh, I don't think, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're in desperate need for their things to get taken care of. And, you know, to, I'm sure from their perspective, they've, they've got a, a turnkey local place. That's, you know, like I said, I, I got a soft introduction to everyone involved. So the, 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 the regional manager in my area knew who I was and knew what was going on and was familiar with, with what was happening. So, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't a big surprise for it anyone. wasn't a big surprise to him. You know, I'm, I'm sure if, if it was just a, I was just working in my garage and I wanted to try to call up one of these companies and get established as a, you know, an authorized company for them. That might be a little bit of a different process, but to mm-hmm. already, already have the, 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 the soft transition, I, I, you know, was great. Well, the, I mean, these are all the reasons why it makes more sense to buy a business than to start one. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and, and, you know, what you're describing, you know, as far as trying to get a handle on the cash flow, um, this is one of the biggest challenges a lot of small business people have because they, they get into a position where they see money in the bank account and they figure that's my money. Yeah. And they, want to, they want to spend it when in reality it could be the government's money, it could be employees money. Like it, other people may actually be further ahead in line than, than the owner. Um, and then, with uh, with you guys, do you have to wait a little while for warranty claims in order for yes. you to get paid? Yes, yeah. yeah, we have a substantial accounts receivable. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I was I was advised by the the previous owner of the business. You know, he said, Jared, you got to get more comfortable with debt if you're going to make this place go. Because he knew that I was, uh, you know, I uh, I own my house and I paid for my, ed, you know, both my wife and mine's education are paid for and paid for vehicles, and he knew that that was kind of the way that I operated. And, and, uh, you know, his genuine advice to me was, you know, you're just going to have to get, get over that if you're going to, if you're going to make it doing this. And of course people have been telling me that my whole life. So, uh, you know, of course I, I didn't listen to him. So, you know, we, we've got, uh, yeah, everything's, all the vehicles are paid for. We do everything on a cash basis. So I, so I can look at my, uh, you know, like the balance sheet you were talking about, you know, I know that right now at the close of this year, every expense in the business has been paid for the employees have been paid. And you know, that $20,000 that's coming back from manufacturers and accounts receivable, that that's my money, you know, and um, I, maybe that's not the, uh, the most uh, uh, shrewd business practice to do it that way. But uh, I, I really want to be able to know uh, where I'm at. And it's, that's really, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges has been able to just kind of disentangle all the moving parts in the business. And I know now, uh, we had a we had a little performance metric snafu with one of the manufacturers where they they select who the local provider in the area is based on your speed of doing a repair and um, what happened basically we we came into the end of the month and they we had done a hundred tickets for them and they switched to one of our uh, competitors in town and in the first maybe twenty days of that month we we maybe got uh, five tickets from them, you know, which is maybe uh, eight or $9,000 of work that we lost. And, you know, the bank account went up. It looked good, but I realized that, you know, when the bank account swells up, that's because we're not buying anything, you know, we're not, right. we're not starting any, anything in our pipeline, you know, and um, I, I had the kind of the analysis tools in place to be able to see that and go, you know, okay, I, you know, yeah, the, the bank account's gone up by $15,000, but that's really bad because, um, you know, we don't have anything coming in the front door. So, so by running the business without any debt, what probably has been some of the struggle you've been feeling is that you've been basically 
bootstrapping all the capital to finance your accounts receivables and everything and, yep. and your vehicles and all that kind of stuff. So there hasn't been as much money available to come out of the business to you yep. because it's been filling in these holes. Mm-hmm. Once the holes are filled, there, there's going to be more cash available to you. And here's why, you know, sort of a finance person would say that, that you're not optimizing things mm-hmm. is because if you can borrow money at the bank on a line of credit and maybe pay six or 7% interest, you know, to finance your receivables, it means that you can, you don't have to have your own capital in the business for that purpose. And so you can take your money out of the business and go and do something else with it, like buy an apartment building or something. Right. And so as the owner of the business, you further diversify your wealth, but the fact that you can get the bank's capital in there at six or 7% means that the rate of return generated by the business on your own money that's in the business is going to be boosted up. That's why they use the term leverage. Mm-hmm. The, the bank loan levers up the rate of return on the owner's equity. So that, that, that's why people would be critical of it. But what I would say is this, uh, it's your business. You have to run it the way you want. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, it is your asset. You own it. It's there to provide you with your lifestyle and your income. And, you know, when there is a downturn at some point in the future, there's ups and downs, right? When there is a downturn, um, it's the people who are levered up with debt that run into trouble faster. Yeah, that's true. has to get paid. Yep. Right. And, and that's when people who are in your position go up and go and, I, I used to see this happen all the time in the trucking industry in a previous career. Um, the, the people who really had a lot of equity in their businesses and owned a lot of stuff, they would end up buying competitors who were highly leveraged, dirt cheap whenever there was a downturn. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's in your plans or anything, but, but you would be in a far better position to weather a, a downturn. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, from where I said, I mean, I, I think that realistically that we, we have to be getting into that at some point here, you know, I obviously can't time exactly, exactly how things go, but you know, it's been, uh, we've seen a lot of increase for a long time. I, I almost think that your business is counter cyclical. So when, when people don't feel as confident about spending money, they'd be more inclined to repair something. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So you, you, if there were a downturn, you could probably get even busier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have a pretty established history of that. But that's okay. Based in the past. Yeah. Well, this is awesome, Jared. Thanks for sharing your story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Glad to do it. I, um, I, uh, I was, what was I going to tell you? I initially found your, uh, your material based on the, um, uh, millennials buying businesses from baby boomers. Oh, the, the, the hardware store in Massachusetts. And that was exactly some of the stuff I was going through there. Yeah. I I found that was, uh, uh, and I, I just love the, uh, I just love the expertise that you bring and, uh, uh, the knowledge and your content and stuff's been, been very helpful in in the last couple of years here for me. Oh, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. And, 
you know, the big impetus for me to start doing this is just that I kept running into people who, who had gotten into trouble and had done bad deals just because they didn't know stuff. And, you know, with the internet nowadays, there shouldn't be any reason for people not to be able to find information. Sure. Yeah. And I, I was so fortunate to have the, like I said, these two people that really kind of mentored me, but a lot of the knowledge that they brought, I don't feel like it's very mainstream or very, you know, I, I certainly, um, you know, I've had, I've had, uh, you know, I, I work for my grandfather and I've had these other friends that have run businesses and stuff, but, um, I guess, it, I guess it is, can be kind of difficult to, uh, to access some of that information uh, the way that you present it, you know, so. Well, well thank you so much. I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I jumped at the chance to book this call with you. So <laughs> I think it's no, I, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, but, but just to your point about information being available, the, the, you know, if you want to look at, for example, the world of investing money, you know, like mutual funds, all those kinds of guys, um, it, it's the people who have the most to gain from selling their stuff that make the loudest noise and monopolize the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And so, you know, there's, I, I, I mean, that's, I'm doing that. I have stuff to sell. I've got my online courses and stuff. And so I'm trying to make noise about these topics um, with respect to small business. But I think in the, in the, in the general sphere of stuff going on, there's not that many people talking about these kinds of conversations because there's not the money to be made, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like the, you know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff online about franchises because obviously they, they make a lot of money when they collect their franchise fee and, and get people set up in business. And so it's, it's always, um, you know, the, uh, the, what's that expression from old Roman times, the judges would always ask, you know, who benefits Oh, follow the money kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, but thank you. You're welcome. I, um, I like making this stuff and I'm, I'm glad to hear from people who find it useful. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love people, uh, you know, becoming independent, kind of getting out of their, uh, their corporate jobs. And, uh, so I, I'm delighted to, uh, to support you in, in your endeavor. So, well, and you know what, the, this conversation we've had today, maybe will encourage someone to, uh, to make their own move. And, and that's always a good thing to help, help someone do. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Jared. Have a great day in Indiana. Merry Christmas. Oh, you too. Thank you again. All right. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Thank you. Bye.